Hey, what's up, everybody? Jump Rope to Freedom. Welcome back to the channel. Today, we have podcast number seven, and the guest is Nate KG, a very well-known jump rope coach and very talented rope jumper. So we sat down and talked about jump rope, competitive jump rope, coaching jump rope, his mentors that he's found in the jump rope space, and many other things. Respect and thanks to Nate for joining me on this podcast. I learned a lot from him, and I know you will too. So let's get into it. All right, Nate, Nate, thanks a lot. Nate KG, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. And I'm looking Absolutely. forward to learning more from you. And I'm sure everyone else watching is looking forward to learning more about your story and your approach to jump rope. So I appreciate you coming on here. Yeah, I'm, I'm really pumped to be here. We've, we've talked a bit uh, here and there over the over Instagram DM. So I'm glad we're actually sitting down having a having a full conversation. Absolutely, man. And at the first question that I'd like to know is, tell me about how you got into jump rope and your story. What's your story mm -hmm. behind jump rope? Yeah, so I started uh, way back in like middle school, I had a PE teacher and she would do different sports. Uh, during different months of the year. So one month would be whatever, baseball, one would be soccer, wh whatever, you know, one of those months was jump rope and that, that coincided with the jump rope for heart month. I don't remember which one it was. It was probably something like uh, February or March or something. I'm not really sure, but it was one of those months. And so she showed us, and this is like early middle school. She showed us uh, a toad cross. So you do a cross and one arm is underneath your leg. Right. And my mind was just like blown. I was like, no way. Cause I mean, at that time I thought what most people think, which is jump rope, you, you just jump or like, it's a playground activity or like you maybe can do a double under and she did a toad cross. I was like, that's insane. And I tried it and I couldn't get it. It took me a while, but when I got it, I was like game over, I'm in this forever. And so she had, um, she had a history uh, knew of the competitive side of, of jump rope. She, she learned from Richard Sindali, who's like dubbed the grandfather of jump rope because he kind of went through the routes of uh, the physical education system to spread the sport of jump rope. And so she learned from him. She passed that knowledge on to myself and then a bunch of my friends and I kind of got together. We would jump uh, before school would start in the morning uh, and we decided to make a, a team. So we made a jump rope team and I was very heavy into the, into the competitive side for many, many, many years. And that was kind of my introduction. And really soon after I started, I don't remember, I don't remember the exact, uh, date. I don't know. I don't know like the, the time it was, but really soon after I started, um, I went, there was, there was just randomly a jump rope workshop in Santa Monica, California, which is really close to me at the time I was, I was growing up, uh, in Antelope Valley. So, so, SoCal. And this workshop, this was like, right. I, I started right at the height of when jump rope was, uh, the national tournament was in, or like in Florida at uh, Disney world. It was, it was broadcast on ESPN and there was a documentary jump. The documentary was coming out. And all of a sudden this year, the, the best of the best, there was a team called the all-star team, which was the best competitors in the nation came together to do a workshop. And so I attended that and people all of the legends were there. If people are familiar at all with jump rope, Mike Fry was there, who's now a close friend, Nick Woodard, Lee Rising, uh, Billy Jackson was there, um, a young a young Zeb Troxer, for those who, who know him, Shane Windsor, all these legends were there. And I was being taught by them. 
and had no idea who they were. <laughs> and so that, that just really locked me in for a long, long time. And then, um, eventually you, know, you go to college, it's very common for competitive jump ropers to kind of stop jumping around college because huge shift in the way things are going. You're not around your team. I had switched teams during high school, so it was a different team. Uh, and then that's kind of when I got into more of the recreational side. So during college, uh, pursued degree in communication, pursued personal training and pursued, um, technology management and entrepreneurship. So those three things. And during that time I had my first, my first year, I started up a, uh, it's like a, a recreational jump rope class. It was not really a hit. There was, I don't think I ever worked with more than like seven to 10 people max at my time there, but those people I did work with, it was very fun. And I learned very quickly. I have no idea what I'm doing with people who don't jump for competitive reasons. Uh, and so it was very interesting because it was, it was like my thought process at the time was if you're not a competitive jump roper, sure. You're using a jump rope, but that's not really what jump rope is. And it's probably not possible for you to ever really use a jump rope the right way, which is a very kind of an elitist point of view, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, not really the, the most inclusive way to think. And, and it wasn't, it wasn't like a, I, I didn't look down on people. I just didn't think it was possible. Right. And it's like, yeah, you're trying to jump and we'll learn some things, but you're not really going to really make it that far. Right. Yeah. And, and I was just really fortunate that I did that class. And then, um, I got connected with, uh, the, one of the, the main, uh, professors there, Amy Jamison. I went to UC Santa Barbara. So Amy Jamison, uh, really one of my favorite professors there. We, we worked a lot and she would have me teach classes, uh, to her class. She taught several class people who were pursuing the personal education route. I did a, a bas basically a jump rope workshop or seminar for about an hour, hour and a half to the class. And she would have me come back several quarters out of the year, even when I was not in the class anymore to teach that. And that was very interesting because still recreational, but the recreational I was doing before was people who were kind of staff at the university. So people who were closer to 30, 40 years old. And now I'm teaching college students and I was able to teach both freshmen and both uh, junior, senior level. And so it was very interesting because now there's this different perspective of viewing things, but I'm, but I'm not just doing single rope. I'm able to integrate double Dutch and some Chinese wheel and these different types of jumping with people who know nothing about it and put together this kind of full, full recreational class. It was still really, really jam packed, right? In an hour, there's only so much you can do. That's like four or 15 minute blocks and you got to move fast, but yeah. it was very interesting. And, and around the time I went to college also got connected with Dave Newman from our, our, our X mark year. Sure, yeah. And so he's, he, the impact of Dave Newman on my life cannot be overstated. And so really, really tight, um, with Dave and the RX, RX family went, that's how I got into more of the CrossFit side of things. Right. So started with competitive, got into an interesting style of recreational early on. Didn't really know what I was doing with recreational. Right. Didn't really believe in it that much in terms of believing people's ability to really learn, not in, not in a downward looking way, but I just didn't see it. Went into the CrossFit thing with Dave and again, felt very similarly until I started to get to know Dave and I got to know his coaching process and realized this guy has created uh, effectively a three hour seminar on how to do double unders. And I was like, that can't be, I mean, come on, right. That, that's ridiculous. Just double under. 
It's not. And the more I learned, the more I realized the difference between <laughs> coaching based on what you're just saying and kind of making up on the spot or what sounds right versus a, approaching things from a very biomechanical standpoint. Sure. And it took me a long time to fully, fully appreciate his methodology. But as I started to coach gymnastics as well during college, I started to see the biomechanical and the physics perspective of movement through that, right? So we've got the personal trainer, uh, personal training uh, focus through the university. We've got gymnastics coaching, which is, which was very cool, very fun. And then we've got seeing Dave approach double unders from a CrossFit perspective. And that's when things kind of started to change where I'm like, okay, this is a little bit different than I thought it was. And it was a very slow burn over time, but then a uh, few, a few years ago, um, started to see people like Jimmy pop up on the scene with jump reps. I to see some more fitness jumpers who would connect with competitors or see that. And now we start to see a little bit of movement with people who jump for fitness reasons. I would say that's recreational, um, but then start to blend into a lot of freestyle stuff. And we start to see a lot of, um, adaptation of jump rope, taking boxer style, taking freestyle skills, taking CrossFit style and putting it together. And that's when I realized this is, this is significantly, this is very different than what I ever thought it was. Right. And how each of these disciplines, they're not necessarily lesser or greater than one another. They're just different cohorts, different styles. Sure. And so then that's kind of where I'm at now, where my mission really is to kind of bridge the gap of knowledge that exists between all these different styles and to provide uh, like coaching and resources that actually help you explore everything. Because yeah. when you learn from just one resource at a time, you're limited. And that was something that I learned a lot from, from Dave with his, his coaching through Arx Market, the Arx Method. When he coaches double unders, everything makes sense to infinitely scale up. All of the same, the same principles we talk about with single unders and doubles, you can use those same things to then look at triple unders or quads, right? And that's when it started to click like, oh, if you really do learn the right way and it's not, oh, do penguin taps, oh, do this drill, oh, this seems like it would be right. Just because it seems like it'd be right doesn't mean it necessarily is. So providing that information, putting that out there, putting out things that I think um, hopefully actually really help people um, can kind of help set them up the right way not because they have to jump a certain way, but because they can then explore whatever they want to do. Right. Sure. So that is the, you said it was okay to be long-winded. So there's oh, my long-winded intro as to my, how I started with jump rope in my little intro. <laughs> no, that's, that's great. That's an interesting story. But the one thing that caught my attention was when you, you started coaching in the beginning mm -hmm. and you didn't know if it was possible for people to learn mm -hmm. based on your experience with competitive jump rope at that point. So you talked about Dave Newman and his his coaching that helped you transform. Was there anything else that would that transformed your your mind in the sense that people could learn based on how how you could coach them and what were some techniques that you used and learned on yeah. the fly to help people learn? I think, man, there's so much. So in terms of, so I think we could we'll tack this two different ways. We'll go with um, the belief piece, and then we'll go with like the actual like mechanical like learning the, the coaching piece. From the belief side, I just started to see people unlock skills that I didn't think they could do. And when someone's doing something you didn't think was possible, you rethink your premise, right? I mean, some people might dig in their heels, but for me, it's like, oh, I clearly was wrong, right? And I, at one point, um, when I was when I was at RX Mark here, 
there's a video that exists of me coaching. We did a seminar at Stance Socks, which was really cool. And it was just kind of like a, it was, it was like a one hour thing. It was really quick. We did a very shotgun approach to everything. And one of the things we did was teach a Mick release, right? You like go the rope, you catch it. And I worked with a guy. Um, he was not a jump roper. He never really jump roped ever to my knowledge. Maybe he picked it up occasionally, right? But like never really attacked it. And I taught him to do a Mick release in 30 minutes. And he was able to jump throw the mic release and then catch into a jump. I didn't think that was possible. I thought a mic release would take months yeah. right? because if you're not a competitive jumper, if you don't grow up in it, if you don't know it's possible, there's no way you could get that. And now <laughs> since, since that's informed me, since that experience has taught me many others, very similar to that, right? Like you see people who are, I mean, th that's one narrow thing, but I've seen people who are five years old to 75 years old, do things with a jump rope that I never thought could, could be possible for that person. Right. And so you start to see stuff like this. And that's why now I say like a mic release to me is a beginner skill. And people are like, what are you talking about? I'm like, it is, it's hard, right? It's very weird. It's not the first beginner skill that you learn, but yeah. it can be achieved by beginners, which to me marks it as a beginner skill. Right. Yeah. And so that that's kind of the, the belief side of things is that's when it started to change. And I think it was, it was an, it was an interesting change because at first you have a lot of pride as a competitive jump roper and you see somebody else doing like a quad, but the style, you could evaluate the style as not clean or bad form. And it takes, it took me a while to understand that. Why should someone be, why should someone do it with pristine form when they're never going to compete and presentation is never going to be important as long as they're not slamming their heels into the ground, hurting their body why does it matter? And Jimmy yeah. is a great example of that, right? His form is wildly different than a competitive jump roper, but there's, why is, there's nothing bad with that. That's his style. He has fun. Right. And so that, those kinds of things kind of it changed the belief. And in terms of, um, the mechanics piece, what, what infor the, the learning to coach and stuff, it really was a blend of a lot of things. So I think I've always naturally been kind of, uh, geared towards more of a, uh, a, a modular or a very um, specific detailed way of approaching things. Very, very engineering ish, just in the way that I, that I approach things. And so very early on, Lee Reisig put out um, a document called the jump fabet or the trictionary. It was like the first trictionary that really kind of showed up and he effectively had, it was, it looks like a periodic table of jump rope skills oh, and everything wow. is, yeah, it's all broken down. Um, it's all broken down uh, by symbols. And so, there are names and, and things that we, we apply to jump rope skills, but he kind of took the symbol approach to make it easier to give it names. So effectively what you can do is take a paragraph worth of an explanation of a combination and put it down into like 10 to 15 characters, which is incredible. Um, it wasn't really widely adopted, but that was kind of the first thing where I realized, okay, clearly jump rope is not just, spaghetti on the wall, there's a, there's a system here, right? Systems thinking um, is big. I didn't really do much with that at the time because I, I saw that very early, but then, you know, you go through personal training and here's a process to learn things here, biomechanics, that's important, bioenergetics, here's this approach. And then gymnastics really, really pushed that because in gymnastics, you're at the highest level, Every, everything, the way your body moves needs to be correct. And the way you train needs to make sense. You don't just go throw front flips for days to learn it. You walk through a very clear and distinct progression, right? 
And I, I had the fortune of working with um, a head coach that was um, maybe less accurate with some of the <laughs> training methodologies. And then we switched over the, the team that, that hosted that switched over to a different head coach later, who I believe had much more, uh, much more rigorous and, and correct and logical progressions that I was able to learn from then. Right. And so that very much informed me like, oh, progressions is not just a word. It's a, it's a way of approaching something. If you want to learn it correctly, there's a right way to approach it. Yeah. Right. And then Dave Newman really locked that in because now that I saw that with jump rope and I saw that he has a three hour seminar on how to do a double under what? Like, that's crazy. Like what is, and, and I, and I thought, okay, well, he's probably, they're probably just talking about doubles and it's probably, I'm like, listen, Dave's cool, but let's be real. It's probably kind of gimmicky. It's probably just do a lot of doubles. It's probably just him walking around giving tips the whole time. And it was not, it was, it was not, it was nothing close to that. And Dave has also a, a very, a much larger experience coaching, coaching gymnastics than I did. He had, he was like legitimately coaching very high level gymnastics. I was, I did mostly recreational and a little bit of lower level team, which was, which was good. But Dave was actually coaching like athletes, you know? And so he kind of had that mindset and his, his story is very different, but, um, seeing the, the methodology that he ended up with, I was like, Oh, okay, this makes sense because would I use this for competitors? Absolutely not. But it makes a lot of sense for CrossFitters because they, the way a double under is used, the way, what their goal is, is very different. So the way he approaches coaching them is very different. And so all, all this kind of like starts to click over time. And then, um, eventually I kind of take all these different things and I look at freestyle and I have a lot of different conversations about things. And I remember saying to Mike Fry, it was like two or three years ago, we were in Malibu and we were shooting like a quick video for him for Instagram. And, and he was at the time I was still living in Santa Barbara, not doing anything related to jump rope for work. And he was obviously, he, he owns Let's Jump LA. So he was doing jump rope for work. And I was like, dude, Mike, you should, you should do a thing where like you make some kind of methodology or some kind of like knowledge with, with jump rope and, and you should categorize it and do this. And it wasn't that in depth of a conversation, but then like over the years that kind of stuck with me. And now, um, I do have a very modular, very systems oriented way of kind of approaching, um, coaching, coaching jump rope. And I think that there's, I think what you see is, um, the most marketing optimized people, <laughs> the information is not necessarily thorough because not always because of ill intent, but just because you don't know what you don't know. Right. And if the yeah. goal is to, you've got sales or mission, and they can be close together, like we were talking about before the podcast, but one has to be on top. And if sales is on top, then it's going to be okay if you miss a little bit of information, as long as you make the video. Whereas for me, <laughs> all of the information better make sense <laughs> before yeah. putting anything out, you know, but that's kind of, that's kind of the process of what kind of informed the way I've gone about coaching. Wow. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's, that's really well put. I, I think also that from the sales and mission standpoint, mm -hmm. if you're if you're focused on sales, you're also going to be wanting to get it quickly. And, and a lot of folks are not going to be. So if you have someone who's a CrossFitter and then you have someone who's just trying to get into it, I think that someone on the CrossFit side will probably be more patient and will want to understand and will want to go through the progression. 
will be more willing to go through the progression than someone who's just there to be sold a product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, right. that makes yeah, I think that sense. I think a lot of times the big one of the big differences I see, I mean, there's a lot of different groups, but it tends I tend to find that um, most adults, most adult recreational jumpers or adult um, adult, I, I would separate fitness from recreational to me, fitness is someone who uses a jump rope for singles, maybe some footwork, maybe doubles, and they they do that just strictly for cardio benefits. Recreational is more of the person who starts to pull from different freestyle skills, boxer, all these different things kind of blends it together. Right. And so they're a little bit different, but typically I find that recreational adult jumpers, um, or just recreational jumpers period tend to really want to understand what they're doing. Whereas like a competitive jump roper is kind of just seeing what's going on and then just trying to make it happen. And they understand a lot of principles about jump rope that don't make sense to a recreational jumper because they haven't grown up in it the way the competitive jump roper has. And so the competitive jump roper is like already 50% of the way there on every new skill. It's just a matter of tweaking things. So it's yeah. just, it's very, it's very different in, in terms of like the coaching, like the way I would, the way I have coached um, competitive jump ropers is wildly different <laughs> than my standard coaching for recreational jumpers. Yeah, absolutely. I can see how it could be different. So you were talking a little bit about some guys and people that you learn from. Is there one, is there one person who you would consider to be your most influential mentor out of that group of people or, or among anybody? Yeah. I mean, oh man, it's tough because there's like so many different like subcategories of, of mentorship. But I think if you're, if we're looking at just the wide view of all the different mentors, people that have influenced me, I think, um, within the scope of jump rope, um, within the scope of like jump rope business, those kind of things, it would have to be Dave Newman. Um, because I mean, it's, so I, I, uh, during college went and he invited me to, to live with him and work at work for him for a month in like the summer break between like, I think first year and second year of college. Mm-hmm. And so I got to see the, that was the first time I was in a, a legitimate like job job you know, and, I, and my, my tasks were not really that important, but, um, you know, he, he had me there and it was, it was really cool. And this, this is the, like, when I was a kid, I was like, if I could, if I could jump rope for a job game over, we've done it. I'm happy. That's, and but I was like, but that's never going to happen because I never saw it at the time. I'm, when I was little and jumping. No one was doing that. There was maybe like, maybe Renee Bebo or like Peter Nessler at the time were doing some performance stuff, but yeah. like that didn't mean you were doing a job. That means to me at the time, it didn't mean that it was, but to me, I didn't see it that way. And then I go work with Dave and here's this guy who's got a company, a legit company with employees selling jump ropes and he's doing it. And I'm like, wow, this is a, this is possible. And so that, that, that really does inform a lot in terms of like the jump rope side. And there's also the teaching, but then seeing Dave operate in his business, seeing Dave, the way he spoke to other people, the way he ran his business, I was like, Oh, this guy, this guy actually cares about the mission of what he's after. And I get to drip by drip. I get to know a little bit more about him. And I realized like he started the company in 2008, 2009, because he lost, he was in real estate, completely lost his job. Things were really not looking good. And that's when he started CrossFit because he wanted to lose some weight. He wanted to get active. 
and he he could do pretty much everything except for jump rope and it never worked for him <laughs> and so he had he went in and, and and dave when he sets his mind on something he goes hard <laughs> and so he went to figure out how to jump rope and he's 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 taking all these jump ropes he's macgyvering them taking them apart putting them back together doing all these different things to create um a very unique way of putting a jump rope together based on what actually works. And then he would send them, he would give them to his friends and like, Hey, do doubles with this. How does this work? Hey, let's do this. And just through this whole iterative process, that's where his philosophy was born from. That's where the mission is born from. And then I see him uh, continue to back that up in his day to day. And then I also see the way, you know, in business, it's, I think a lot of people who've, who've been in, been in jobs, uh, understand that in business, um, it's very easy to not, not do the right thing, but like, it's very easy to be focused on your business and not be as concerned with the other person, not to their detriment. Right. But it's just like, okay, well, I don't need to go out of my way for you. Dave always leaves the room, making sure that people are like taken care of and happy. And he, 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 he actually cares about humans in business. And that, that kind of messed me up a little bit because then when I did go work at other jobs that were not Dave's, I realized that that's not how everybody operates, but I was expecting that, you know? And so that, that kind of a mentorship is outside of jump rope, but it really taught me that like the way you conduct yourself in jump rope and in, and in life and in business really is your choice. And you can go the extra mile, even when it doesn't make sense to anyone else around you, you can always treat people with respect and be driven by a mission. Right. And, and that in terms of like, when you're asking about mentor, like it's really hard to, to think of anything else within the scope of jump rope about that, because, um, he's laid such a strong foundation for so many of the things I've done, both in terms of attitude and mindset, but also the actual, like learning the RX method and understanding the philosophy and why, Dave only does things that make sense. <laughs> and that's why I'm such a big proponent of that is because a lot of things, um, for example, he, he would never coach a penguin tap because it doesn't actually make sense when you break it down. Right. But a lot of people, whether you just don't know, or you just want to make the video or you want to make the blog post or whatever it is, we'll use that. Right. And again, it's like, you don't, you don't really fault that because it's just, it's just part of the process. I would have thought penguin taps were good too at some point because I didn't know. Right. Sure. But that's why at this point, like having learned from him and kind of gone through that, um, it's all these reasons and and more why when you're asking top mentor, it, it's going to have to go, have to go to Dave in terms of jump rope stuff. Oh. Yeah. No, it makes, I mean, it makes sense. I was expecting you to say somebody, one of the competitive jump jumpers but it makes sense because it's it's i mean jump rope is important but yeah. it's with the qualities you were talking about transcend jump rope and exercise mm -hmm. it's, it's about being a a good person i mean and there's important. and there's a lot of like <laughs> there's a lot of mentors um that were highly highly useful and important but not because of positive reasons you know what i mean like there's plenty of people oh, yeah. you meet in your life that do things ways that you don't ever want to do. And that also informs you equally as much, you know, so that exists. But in terms of like the actual, when, when it comes to actually learning and like absorbing information, like, yeah, there's, 
there's countless jump ropers that like Jeremy Lindstrom was like the first one I worked with, um, Michelle Fongson, Katie Johnson, Mike Fry, Lee Reisig, like, like those people. I watched Shane Windsor's handstands so many times that I think I probably am like at least half of his view counts <laughs> on YouTube yeah. because his form is so good. So like, there's all these different things that, um, yeah, it's, it, it, I, you just have to like, you go down the list and it's like, that person has impacted me, you know, Nick Woodard, Kelly yeah. Woodard, all these people. Yeah. They're, they're insane with the, I remember the first time I saw Nick and Kaylee Woodard on, it was some video of them doing a bunch of tricks in a half pipe in a half pipe in like Tennessee yeah. or something like that. And I was, and that was the first video to that inspired me to, to try the TJ, which you helped me out. Yeah. yeah. Months yeah, yeah. ago. I was like, I can't <laughs> believe some of the stuff those, those folks are doing with that. I was yeah. amazed. It's crazy talent there. And what's even crazier to me is that like, now there's, now there's folks like you, you didn't grow up in the competitive world, but you see it and you want to do it and you can. Yeah. And in my mind, all those years ago, I didn't think that there was any shot. Someone who didn't grow up in competitive could figure out a TJ, but now yeah. we see it every single day, people picking it up and figuring it out. Yeah, you know? you're right. That, that did seem like an impossible trick. Mm -hmm. it, it, re it really did just the way they were doing it. But but yeah, you're right. I mean, you can do these things. I think a lot of times it helps to have an athletic background and to have done something as a kid, whether mm -hmm. it's basketball or soccer or something mm -hmm. so that you have so that you know how to move to move yourself around. It might not it might not look as pretty as some people who did the competitive jump rope up to the time, but I think that it, it does help if you've been athletic or at least mm -hmm. move. Because a lot of times these days I remember when I was a company commander a couple of years ago, you see all these kids that are having these injuries. They're like 20 years old. And you're just saying to yourself, how in the world? I would tell them, I'd be like, I'm, I was 28 at the time. And I'd say, how am I like 10 years older than you? And, and you and, and you're the one that's breaking down. <laughs> exactly, your hips are hurting or you have shin splints and all yeah. that. But then I, I, I shouldn't have had that attitude because I, I should have, I should have been more empathetic. So then I did some research and mm -hmm. then it's like, yeah, mo a lot of kids these days are not, they're not, they're playing video games instead of going mm -hmm. outside and running around. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. I mean, there's, and there's, and there's balance too, but you're, you're, yeah, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, man. Absolutely. And so jump ropes, we can switch to talking about jump ropes. So I what so yeah. for a guy like you who, who can do a lot with the jump rope, so what are your, what are you, what's your favorite jump rope of all time and, and why? Yeah, it's hard. Well, so it's hard to pick cause you cause all ropes have different purposes. So I wouldn't say that any rope is inherently like good or bad. There definitely are uh, tiers, right? Like within certain classifications, some ropes are definitely not as good as others, but they're kind of within their categories. So like when it comes to a speed rope, my personal preference when I'm doing um, like speed step, so max rep speed step, or like maximum double or triple unders without a miss. I'd go with obviously I'm very partial to RX Marker, the, the RX Marker Evo or the Evo Go, or they have a G2 now, which is really good too. But those those fast ropes, 100%. That's my go-to. It's it's the fastest one that I've I've found. A lot of competitors like lighter ropes, like handles are lighter. I like the the weight of the handle because it makes a lot more sense to me. So that's like my my go-to, my absolute favorite. I'm also very fortunate 
to own several pairs because I work with Rx Mark here. So yeah. definitely, definitely <laughs> beneficial with that. But if I, but even honestly, even if I didn't work with them, I would still own at least one pair, if not several. Um, and so that in that regard, that's kind of where I would, where I'd go with freestyle. Um, it's funny, like I can't go without both a long handle PVC or a short handle beaded rope. Like I need both of them to do the jumping I want to do. Right. Like, but if, but if, you know, push comes to shove and I have to choose one, I'd go the route of short handle beaded rope five, six years ago, I would have said long handle PVC. Cause that's what I competed with for years and years and years. But, um, I've since switched. I just like the style a little bit better now. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's not, that's good. I've never tried anything with a short handle beaded rope. That's on my list of things to do. So, so what, what is the difference for you between the long handle PVC and the short handed beaded short handled, sorry, beaded rope? Yeah. The beaded one, obviously there's a little bit more weight to it because of the beads. There's more feedback. So that's usually like, I would always recommend a beginner start with a short handle beaded rope. If they know they want to do any sort of freestyle, start with that kind of a rope because it's going to have the weight you need. The short handles. Yes. will be a little bit more frustrating to get across at first because you don't, you don't have as much distance, but it promotes correct placements faster. You can still learn correct placements on a long handle because it's longer. You don't need to cross as far, which usually means you can do it on a long handle, but you can't do it on a short handle. Versus yeah. when you learn on a short handle, you've got it the right way. So you have to do less of what you already know on a long handle, which makes it very easy. Um, but yeah, so that, that's kind of in terms of like learning, that's a big difference in terms of uh, using it for me now, the big difference is that, uh, with the PVC being so much lighter, it makes things like quads or, or triple skills or, uh, strength, like pushups, handstands, flips, those kind of things, a lot easier to train and get for the first time, or just to make it an easier day. The beater rope is naturally going to be a lot harder. Um, but it flows a lot better for like releasing skills or for the way I do crossing skills or for multiples for me. Um, but there's limitations, you know, like you can't really, some of the more uh, in-depth crosses get a little bit harder because you don't have as much room. Um, but overall, I prefer that a little bit, a little bit more than long handle, but long handle is fun. If you're just kind of like, like, uh, I was, I did a live the other day with Mike Fry, a good friend of mine, and he was working on uh, a push-up skill. That's a very difficult push-up skill. And so I used a long handle PVC and so did he, because it's a lot easier to kind of get the field to kind of do that skill with that rope, you know? ultimately in this, my, my philosophy is that every jumper should be versatile unless, you know, absolutely certain for the rest of your life, you're only going to do one style of jumping, but that typically ends up being nobody. You know, there's, there's like a very, very tiny group of people that fit that. And that is completely informed by RX smart gear, right? Uh, the, the versatility piece for RX smart gear comes from, you should be able to pick up any rope, any length, any weight, and pretty much get the same work done and not be like in in CrossFit, the gym's got jump ropes. And so if someone takes your jump rope that day, you're stuck and you're not going to do doubles. Right. So the idea is if you can understand how to do things correctly, you can pick up a rope that's too short and still make it work or rope that's too long and make it work. Um, and I've kind of extended that out to freestyle, very similar understanding how to use a jump rope the right way so that you can then explore all styles and just have more fun. Because the worst thing ever <laughs> is when you go to jump and you are missing and you can't figure it out and you don't know why. Yeah, that is true. Man. That yeah. is true. Yeah. So for, I can definitely relate. You don't, you don't know. And you just, 
you got to keep it's like you're you've you've hit a wall and you just can't get around it yeah exactly and and a lot of that unfortunately is just because there's information that again it, i don't think anything's put out for ill intent but because there's not a lot of thorough research not a um, thorough uh, learning or investigation done on this information a lot of people end up with a lot of bad habits yeah. right and so then that ends up being it's not a roadblock right now because you're just trying to figure it out but then like later on when now you do decide to learn some freestyle even though you weren't planning on it six months ago now you've got some bad habits that are very hard to undo you know yeah so, it's a, that is a good point I, I had a guy email me talking about his his double unders he was saying mm -hmm. i learned double unders and i've, I've watched myself now on video and they look terrible how how can i learn again and i just said my advice i don't know if it was the right advice but it's just watch somebody who knows what they're doing a tutorial and then you have to reteach yourself like steph curry mm -hmm. one summer he retaught himself how to shoot because if he had kept that same jump shot, he probably wouldn't be playing in the NBA right mm -hmm. now. So it takes, mm -hmm. I said, you'll get it in like two weeks. If you put like 30 minutes a day into it, you'll get it probably in like a week or two. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes sense. The only catch is like, when you say watch someone who knows what, and this isn't necessarily on you, but this is kind of an issue at the, in the jump rope community at large right now, just yeah. because of the nature of where the sport's at at the moment. When you say someone who knows what they're doing, the question is, what is the definition of that? right? And most people see something and think it's correct. And then that counts. But there's a little bit more work to be done there. You have to really, like my whole thing is you have to define your goal. Are you using doubles for a CrossFit context? Then you should go find somebody, not just somebody who can uh, do a hundred doubles in a row. Yes, that's definitely a huge milestone, but I've seen plenty of people just winging it and throwing those doubles and then absolutely tanked after, right? Yeah. Versus the athlete that roll, rolls into the gym and can, again, pick up any rope and can, can bust out, you know, 50 doubles with a one pound rope. And it's, and it's difficult, but it's not that hard because they understand form, right? Those are two very different things versus somebody who does a double under for freestyle context and understands how to then use those principles to then go to different uh, freestyle type of double under skills. Right. And so the more you kind of define what you're after and your goal, it helps you find that information better and kind of sift away the stuff that's not going to help you. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah cause is. to do, cause to do the exact opposite of what I'm talking about. If you're jumping for a fitness reason, right. It just, just for fitness cardio or for CrossFit, there's no reason for you to learn from a freestyle person, honestly. Like they're definitely gonna be able to help you because a freestyle skill is, is a higher level, right? It's it just objectively in terms of looking at what the skill is biomechanically, it's a, it's a more, it's a higher difficulty thing. And if they're a good coach as well, for example, someone like Luke Boone, 28 time world champion, phenomenal athlete, extremely good. He's going to know how to do a double under <laughs> and he can help you, you know, but if you're learning for CrossFit, the closer you get to your goal right? Then the, the better that information is going to serve you and ideally kind of line up for, for your goals. Um, you know, in my mind, it's like nothing should be a mystery by the time someone, someone should say what they say to you should make sense immediately. Like, Oh, I get why this word we're doing this, you know, yeah, it should, it should just make sense. Yeah, that's true. So for tricks, you can do a lot of cool tricks. I see them on Instagram a lot and I'm wondering yeah. how you, how you even come up with them because they seem to be pretty complex but what's mm -hmm. the what's the hardest 
trick you've ever learned and how long did it take for you to learn? Man, um, it's kind of, yeah, it's hard to go with hardest is, is, is challenging. I think because there's different classifications of skills, I think objectively from a biomechanical standpoint, the hardest one I've done is would be called a, a backwards inverse TJ backflip. So round off backflip and in the backflip, the rope rotates three times, sort of, um, pretty much for the purpose of our discussion, three times. Um, and my arms cross and one arm goes underneath my leg in the middle of the backflip. And then I open up and then I finish the skill. So based on what the body is doing, that's probably up there as one of the hardest skills. Um, one of the, uh, one of the more challenging ones that was like mentally a huge struggle. Um, I'm in a push up and I lift off the ground. I pulled her up underneath me. And as I'm pulling it, I, I do a forward roll, go onto my shoulders and then do a kip up. And it seems a little bit like it'd be a little bit less, um, intense than a backflip. But when you think about being in a pushup, jumping in a pushup and rolling your body and getting onto your shoulders, it's very easy to slam your head into the ground sure, <laughs> on yeah. that, and which I did many times. So that would definitely, uh, also take the cake as something that's difficult that I've done. Okay. How do yeah. you, how do you approach those? How do you approach those and what's your process in? Yeah achieving doing it. So I think the, the precursor to that is, uh, to me, jump rope is all systems and variables and adding things together in very basic math. You take one thing and this thing and you put it together and here's a new thing. Right. So before I did any of those skills, I had plenty of experience doing the, the more basic versions of those things. So I learned a backflip from a gymnastics perspective, right? I learned how to do a cross underneath my leg and I scaled that up into a backwards triple under cross underneath my leg right? Backwards inverse TJ would be what it, what's called. So I learned those pieces. And once I've got those pieces, can I do it together? And, and some of these skills are very, um, some of these skills are just really, really conventional. So like in the, in the competition world, you'll see a backflip TJ or a backflip inverse TJ a lot. So, you know, it's possible. So you see it, um, something like that push up, the push up, pull through landing on my shoulders and kipping up that one is, um, there's a question that I learned from Tim Ferriss. I'm a huge follower of Tim Ferriss. Yes, I think one of yes. the, yeah, you like Tim Ferriss? Oh yeah. Love Tim Ferriss. Yeah. Dude, his, his information. I think a lot of the way I think about things is, is because of how deeply I've dug into Tim Ferriss's work. Oh yeah. Um, great. So good. And one of the questions he asked, as you know, is what if I did the exact opposite? Yeah. Right? Great question. Yep. Yeah. And so that has informed many things that I've done, but in specifically the jump rope context, what is normal is push up, roll onto your shoulders, kick up. And then when you kick up, pull the rope underneath. Okay. Well, it's not exactly the opposite. What if I did the pull through first and then did the kit, right? What if, and then you realize it's way harder, but it's way cooler when you get it. And so at that point, you know, there's different, there's different ways to kind of progress. I think everyone has a different, different approach to it. Like Luke Boone, world champion, will just drill things like infinitely and other people will have more of a send it mindset and just like, let's just go for it. Right. Um, you definitely need progressions and to like to learn and put the reps in to learn the foundations. But I find that once you kind of cross a threshold of skill level, it becomes just this process of, of creativity where in my mind, creativity is not this like magical thing where you pull this something out of the ether 
right? It's you understand all the variables you're playing with and it's just a mix and match game. It's just, in jump rope, it's a very complex mix, mix and match game because there's hundreds, if not thousands of different skills you can do. And, yeah. and then, you know, you just put those systems together and you, you send it and you, you try new things. And fortunately for a long time, I had access uh, to a gymnastics gym with a nice soft spring floor. So that let me do a lot of <laughs> crazy things, uh, which was really fun. Oh, that's, that's great. But now, now that I, I appreciate you taking me through that. And now that I know that you're a good Tim Ferriss fan, mm -hmm. I might have to switch over to talking about that let's for maybe one or, one or two. So, I mean, let's see. He has so much good stuff. So what's, so what's your favorite book that you read of him or what's the best lesson you've taken from his, his work? Yeah, I think, man, there's, there's so many different things. It's really hard to like pick one thing. I think, I think Tim approaches things um, very systematically. He takes a lot of notes. He's very detailed. And that has been something I, for whatever reason, <clears throat> I've always admired the way beyond his, I mean, his books are phenomenal, but beyond his books, ju just like the book content, it's the way he is so precise with the way he speaks on his podcast. It's the way to him writing is so important that you get your words correct, that you, that you, you have everything ordered. Right. And he'll say on his podcast, remember so many times I've heard him say like, that was a scattered question or that was this or that. And I'm like, that, not really. That was great. You know, and like, and obviously as I got into podcasting, I understood a little bit more like it wasn't scattered, but I can understand why he might've felt that way. Right. Yeah. Um, and so his, his precision, his detailed work, his self-experimentation, I think those led me to, I don't, just for whatever reason, I just really valued that. So it was very, like, that was what was cool to me was, was being, uh, clear and, and to be quite frank, just not bullshitting your way through things. Yeah. If you're going to say something. You, you back it up and you have a reason and you're very real and authentic with it. Right. Yeah. And so that led me to do things like, I mean, from the, from the health and wellness side of things, like it opened up my mind to like you know, intermittent fasting is a thing or like your mate, <laughs> stupid <laughs> things like eating sardines for breakfast, those kind of things. But then yeah. like through, <laughs> through him getting connected with people like uh, Peter Atia, Dr. Peter Atia and yeah, Peter Atia. learning some, yeah, some very, very detailed uh, medical bi biology stuff that's been fascinating to me from a physical, physical fitness perspective. And so I've since invested in, in a lactate monitor, right? A little, little lactate thing where you can, you can stick your finger, get a, get a draw of blood, figure yeah. out what your millimolar count is for lactate. And like, to me, that's really interesting to take notes of for a long time. I mean, I think because of Tim, because of Tim and like some other fitness stuff, but primarily Tim, I ended up tracking everything I ate and all of my workouts for like three years. I mean, yeah, I missed a couple days here or there, but like for three years, like I have notes from every, every quarter Q1 through Q4 of like 2017 to like, or maybe early 2016, 2017 to 20, like 19. And wow. that was a really important exercise for me to do that. I think probably is primarily due to, uh, Tim, Tim's influence. Yeah, he's, you're right about the note part. I mean, in the beginning of Tools of Titans, he straight up says, I take notes because I can go onto my bookshelf. And if I want to look the way I did four years ago, I can read what I was doing four years ago. Yeah. And then all I need to do is follow that plan. That, that right there has been, I mean, I can't tell you how, um, like it, it, at some point I ended up, because he also has a huge focus on like mindfulness and like, um, 
just being healthy, healthy with your spirit and, and your, and, uh, mental health. Right. I ended up doing uh, a journal, which was not, it was supposed to be daily. It, I really didn't stick with it that much, but I stuck with it enough. And the way I tried five minute journaling, which was, which was good for a while, but I ended up just trying to rush through it and it didn't work. So I switched over to a format that was more of, um, I don't do this now, but I should get back to it. Cause it was, I really enjoyed it. I switched over to a format where I was effectively writing these entries to myself in the future and reminding my effectively reminding myself of this day because I almost certainly will forget it. And having gone back through that, and this is very, I think this is very similar to taking the notes on the food and the working out, right? It's taking the notes on your mental state as well. It just takes a different form. It's a little less rigid and a little bit more flowy and being able to go back and read that has been like insanely useful because not only do I get to go back in time and, and kind of relive certain points of not relive, but like revisit different points of my life, but I can also look at all these entries and start to see patterns in things, patterns based on time of year, patterns based on events and things that I was doing and how I felt or, or patterns in the way terminology and the way I kind of view things. So like, yeah, I mean, that's, we're, we're, if you want to go more deep on notes, I, I'm like really nerdy on notes, but no, yeah. That's, that's awesome, man. I got to, that's inspirational. I got to, the whole, I think I saw, it's really funny because Mr. Beast, the YouTuber, that really popular YouTuber, he did something definitely not as, as deep or introspective as that, but he, he made a video of himself and then upload, set it to upload five years later. Oh, and cool. he was, and he was completely different. It was back before he yeah. got really famous. So it was around the time he, he, he videoed it around the time he had maybe eight, 9,000 subscribers. And That's then cool. five years later, he had like 30 million subscribers and it came <laughs> out. And I think he forgot about it too. And then everyone was going crazy over it. And it was actually a really cool video to that's really neat yeah that's yeah. a good play that's a good play yeah i mean it's it's it makes sense to do something like that so you, yeah because you'll always remember filming that video it's mm -hmm. pretty cool yeah yeah, yeah that's wild, man. you were you were talking about we were talking about tim ferris you're talking about recording your eat your eating and your and yeah. your drinking so what kind of diet if any do you follow and what is what are your go-to food and and drinks that you mm -hmm. in, that you consume on a daily yeah. basis it it really it really changes depending on where i'm at like right now <clears throat> in the past year with the with covid and all these a lot of a lot of changes that have happened it's yeah. not where it was but it's not necessarily bad either right um one one of the most important things that i've gained from that exercise that i did few years ago is I now am very aware of everything that I eat. It's just ingrained in me now. So while I don't put it down anymore, like the reason why I started doing that is because I, we think we understand what we're eating, but we don't. And so to me, macros are important because that's actually how you lose weight if weight loss is your goal. Right. And, and this discussion about nutrition is important, but to me, the secret sauce to everything is tracking. And like, that's a, like one of my, one of my programs, Jump Rope Wellness, that's more like beginner focused. That's one of the, one of the big pieces of that is discussing tracking and digging into that. Because for me, it was so incredibly valuable that I was able to look at what I did. I got, um, I got that data. And then I realized, oh, well, no wonder you don't feel like you're on top of your game. Because if you look back this past week, 
you were definitely not doing a good job with your meal plan. Like almost every dinner and lunch you ate was bought from something instead of made at home, you know? And you look at that and you make a couple of tiny changes and then everything, everything adjusts. So for a while I did Tim's um, slow carb diet protocol. Um, I liked it a lot. I know some people, some people don't, I liked having a cheat day at the end of the week. Um, I don't think I, I think many times I thought I was doing the right thing with food, but I was like, not, I just, I wasn't. And so I think I've, I've learned that like when it comes to food, like it doesn't have to taste bad for it to be healthy. You can have plenty of really healthy stuff that <laughs> if totally fits the macros, you know, I mean, I also do cook a lot more now, so it, that, that matches up. But in terms of like go-tos, um, my preferred schedule back in when things were a bit more normal before, uh, COVID stuff would be to, if, if I was on a training, I have several different schedules that I know I can do just to account for life's randomness, but let's assume that I'm on a, a heavy training schedule. Um, I prefer to eat sardines in the morning now. Like I don't really like them, but I like the way I feel when I eat them. And so that to me wins over. And so, um, sardines in the morning, uh, first thing I eat and then probably like an hour or two later, then I'll do something like, um, either oatmeal or now I'll do like, um, like quinoa and black beans, maybe like an egg or, or sometimes just even the quinoa and black beans. I like that a lot. You know, it's like some old bay in there or whatever. Um, so that's really good. And then the rest of it is really just, it's just kind of like whatever kind of fits. I personally don't enjoy carbs in the morning that much. Um, even, even complex carbs, you know, I just personally don't enjoy it in the morning. Um, it's just my own thing. I like feeling really light in the morning. And then, uh, I'll definitely drink a lot of, um, oolong tea or yerba mate or coffee. One of, one of those things, I just like sipping on a hot drink lately. It's been a lot of oolong tea because I like the way I kind of, I carry through the day rather than coffee. I feel like I shoot up and then drop and then I'm just like, I can't yeah. function. <laughs> so, um, but th those are, those are a few of the things. Yeah. Long T that's, that's another yeah. Tim Ferriss. I, I think I got to find that because I've heard it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, I think the taste is really good. I, I'm more, uh, I've come to learn the difference between good teas and bad teas and why it really does matter. Um, the sourcing, but, um, oolong and I think just generally just tea caffeine in general. Um, I tend to prefer from just the caffeine standpoint because I feel like I'm able to kind of sustain more evenly. That might not be true for other people, but for me it is. Um, I, I think I like the taste of coffee, like a good coffee better than the tea. Um, not that the tea's bad, but I just like it a little bit better. But again, I can't really, um, again, through tracking, I know that if I drink too much coffee on, in too many days in a row, it's not good. And I, I know for me personally, I'll always cycle off of whatever caffeine I'm on for a few days just to break it and then get back on it um, because I don't like feeling dependent on it. Yeah, that's some. I probably need to take the page from your playbook on that because I drink at least at least one cup of coffee today a day, sometimes two. Yeah. I don't think that's a, see, I don't think that's a problem though. Like, cause to me, like one of the best parts about tracking too, is like, I, I tracked when I went to bed. Right. So I tracked my sleep as well. And, yeah. and to me, that's really important. And so what happens is <clears throat> you start to learn, am I drinking this coffee because I'm making up for poor sleep? And then that's a dangerous habit. Or am I sleeping? All right. I just really enjoy having coffee. And that's a very different thing. You know, like the only reason I cycle off of it um, every now and again, 
is just because I just don't want to feel like I need it. And then I, yeah. I'm off of it for a few days and I'm like, right, my sleep's fine. I'm good. And then I start drinking it again, you know? Sure. Sure. No, that's, that's, that's good. You never want to be dependent on anything really. That, that, that's that's how I feel. I like to use it to amplify rather than like rely on it to get the basics done. Yeah. No, true there. That that's great. That's great insight. So as far as workouts go, what, what do your, how often do you work out and what do your workouts typically look like? these days it's it's been absolutely garbage since covid i'll be straight with you <laughs> it's oh, okay. not been good not <laughs> been good so i'll answer it a couple different ways we've got the covid workouts we've got training workouts like if i'm actually in a competitive mode um and then we've got just general stuff so um covid currently what i'm doing now is just um just trying to hit a couple times a week whatever i really feel like doing making sure the heart rate goes up and i sustain it for a little bit of time so it's been working very well lately um having gone back to listening to Peter Atia and I've spent probably in the past week and a half, two weeks, I probably have spent 15 to 20 hours listening to his podcast, right? Because I just, his information is very interesting and very deep. And I'm trying to figure out effectively if I can do zone two training with jump rope. So I've been doing um, sets of usually about 15 minutes of jumping without a break, just continuous, just singles, maybe some side swings, but I'm still jumping during the side swings. Yeah. Um, I've done 20 minutes and I did, I did one session of 30 minutes of jumping uninterrupted. Well, I mean a few misses, but um, wildly uninterrupted. Um, and that's been very, uh, it feels very good. It's not necessarily, um, not really for, for the way my body is and for, for my history with jump rope, it's not necessarily like a weight loss or it's not really effective for bolstering skill or cardio output. Um, but I like it. It feels good. And I do a, a really big stretching session after, and it's very easy, like cognitively easy for me to do versus like, okay, 30 minute warm up, start doing the hard stuff, crush yourself in a workout, cool down. Like that just hasn't been as interesting to me lately. Um, if I'm in a training schedule, it's usually, usually like two to three hours, um, five days a week, six days a week of jump rope with a very, very in-depth warm up at least a half an hour, um, a very intense speed training schedule. Um, in the past, I've done some really hard workouts. Shout out to Selena. Cause she, I, I did a, I did a competition late 2019 and she programmed like a little two week, uh, uh, workout section for me, which was really fun, but it was really hard. Um, which oh, wow. was like 15 minutes of like speed step, like nonstop, which was brutal. Um, Ooh. But yeah, really, really fun. And so I'd probably approach it a little bit differently now, but there's definitely a huge chunk of speed steps. So you're looking at, um, yeah, you're easily spending uh, 30 minutes on, on warming up, potentially a little bit more. Um, you're easily spending 15 to 20 minutes um, doing your speed step work. And then after that, it's drilling a huge amount of freestyle and potentially, potentially doing... Um, a strengthening or like a, like a, like a body conditioning or, or cross training, um, probably outside of that session. So you would do speed and freestyle kind of as like the jump rope workout. And then as a separate workout, likely there's a two a day happening where you're doing like deadlifts and strength training stuff and making sure to recover from all that, which is extremely difficult to accomplish. So it's very draining. And then general fitness stuff would just be showing up to the gym again, three, four times a week. It used to be 15, 30 minutes warming up, some form of, of strength training, deadlifts, 
bench press, standard stuff, back squats, right? Um, and then some kind of like fun thing. Like I, I really like full range of motion push-ups. So like hands are on like P bars or like some, some stable dumbbells that are kind of like on their side, you know, foots on a BOSU ball and you're doing a push up all the way down. So where your chest is going past your hands. Like, I just really like those, you know, and then depending on how I'm feeling either ending with that or potentially going into just some kind of random freestyle session of just whatever pops into my head, I'm trying out and doing. I think I've seen you use the rings before. Do you still, you still do rings? I I don't, but I love them so much. I made the big, I made a huge mistake when I was working out with some friends a while ago, they wanted to do a CrossFit style workout. Um, and there was like 22 total muscle ups in the workout. And I was like, yeah, I don't need grips. I just need chalk. And I ripped tremendously (laughs) and it was extremely painful. So (laughs) I learned my lesson, but yeah, dude, I I love rings so much. My body is definitely not conditioned for it right now. But when I was working uh, at gymnastics, I was on the rings literally every day and my muscle ups were like on point. And I just, I love dips and I love all that stuff. It's, it's really, really fun. Yeah. The rings are, man, there's nothing else really like them Mm -hmm. out there. That's mm-hmm. the only thing I can say about them. They, they work your upper body like no other exercise I've ever seen. Yep. They're, they're amazing. So with the muscle-ups, were you doing – the only terminology I know is the strict muscle-up, and then mm-hmm. the only thing I know to call them is the CrossFit muscle-up where you oh, – gotcha. Yeah. That's the only way I know to call them. What, I don't know yeah. what the real name is for them. Uh, they, I think they're called like kipping muscle ups versus strict muscle up. But then if you go to gymnastics, they're called uprises. So okay. you can, you typically would kick forward, right? And if you're a gymnast, you have hollow position rather than flaring your hips out, um, which has its own, uh, it's, it's okay to do that. But if you only view it properly, there's, there's potential ways to get hurt. But so the gymnast, it's a front uprise, but there's also a back uprise where your feet actually swing backwards. And that gives you the lift to come up and the motion is completely different, but it looks really cool. I didn't learn that, but it's really cool. I primarily do kipping muscle ups just because they're easier, but I did learn how to do a strict muscle up. And I got to tell you, that was one of the coolest things I like, I got it. And I was like, cause I didn't think that I could do it. And I, and I got it and I like got all the way up and I got to this part right here. I was like, I'm going to do it. (laughs) And I pushed and I was like, Whoa, I did it. (laughs) Once you can get to that point, you're good to go. Once you can get to the, to the bottom part of the dip. Yeah. But it's, it's getting the, the false grip is the worst part. Getting your, so hard, getting your wrists conditioned to hold the rings and to bear that much weight. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, like the biggest thing was my hands were always here and I couldn't get into it. And the second I literally, the bit, the unlock for me, like I thought I didn't have the strength. I brought my hands together where they were almost touching and pulled there and got them into my chest and then yes. was able to transition immediately. And it was yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah. It's about technique. It's really about technique, mm-hmm. which gives me a lot of res- even more respect for, for gymnasts. Cause it's yeah. a, it's a combination of technique and, and a lot of strength. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's super, it's really fun to watch rings. People kind of do their thing. You know, it's, it's like, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Those guys, those guys and girls are awesome. Mm-hmm. We got, we got time for the catch all the last question. Let's do it. So it's 
what do you say to people? What's your best advice to people who are just starting with jump rope? And mm-hmm. what do you think they need to know from your perspective and, and how to get the most and leverage the power of jump rope to the best mm-hmm. that they can possibly get? I think the way you get the most out of it is having fun, right? And so, and and, and, and having fun with it, you're avoiding um, potential threats to fun. And potential threats to fun are bad information. Unfortunately, you're really not going to know if it's bad information or not, because you're just not going to realize it unless you talk to someone who has that. Right now, the most marketing optimized people typically are not the ones giving the information that helps the most, right? So <clears throat> the best way to kind of suss out whether it's good information or not is to really look at how that person jumps, who they coach, what their philosophy is and figure it out. And that's going to get you as far as you can to figure out whether or not it's good, good or bad information for you based on your goals. Right. So there's that part, um, avoiding shin splints is a problem. So use footwork or footwear that is fresh and new long distance running shoes, road running shoes. Right. And then make sure you're not doing too much too soon. All people get in and they see the, the hit style workouts, which are that's great. If it works for you, that's awesome. But if you've never jumped before and you go into a 10 minute hit workout, you're probably going to destroy your legs. So starting off really, really slowly and just taking it, taking it at, at, at a pace that seems too easy at first. That way, you know, you're not pushing it too far because shin splints come from pushing your, your body too hard, too soon to the point where the strength of your legs is no longer able to keep up. And Part two to that is making sure you actually are warming up and doing stretches, because if you're not, we are strengthening quads, hamstrings, and calves. <laughs> All three of those muscles are very large muscle groups. And if you're strengthening them and they're tight, you're going to pull at your joints. And that's going to cause pain. So there's that. Um, another huge piece is learning, learning your foundations. I can't, I mean, almost every single um, recreational jump rubber I've ever talked to and, and, and do talk to on a daily says that they've had to undo bad habits because they didn't learn properly in the first place. And they never thought they'd be doing freestyle skills, the different things. Um, which is why I say like, (laughs) if you have even, even a tiny piece of you that thinks you might want to do freestyle or thinks it's somewhat interesting and you may want to pursue it, just learn correctly from the beginning because it's going to save you so much time. Um, those are, those are kind of the main things. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Uh, I mean, I could probably talk at at length for this kind of thing, but um, those are kind of the main things I think about at first is just to like really look at everything that's possible, right? Really dig into all of it and start to get a feel for the different philosophies that exist, a different feel for the different rope style that exist. I would really recommend starting with a rope that is three ounces in weight, which is like a standard beaded rope or um, RX marker has a buff cable, right? And that's a three ounce rope. I'd really recommend beginning there not beginning with the speed wire ever because it's not designed for that. Um, and I know a lot of people do begin with quarter pound and half pounds. Personally, I don't think that that, um, yes, you can get the work done you can still learn on it. And and a lot of people do and then progress. Um, but in terms of the best way to get started, I would not recommend that because it, it leads to very, very tight, intense form. So, um, that's a lot of stuff in a short amount of time, but that is pretty much, uh, my spiel. No, I think that's good. I think I think that's good, man. That's a good, that's a good rundown. I think starting with the weighted ropes, a certain amount of weight, like you were saying, is key. Mm-hmm. A lot of people end up having trouble because, 
quite frankly, because of the rope they use. And I think we talked yeah. about, I've talked about this with some people before they go to the gym and the gym may have some jump ropes, like a leather old school leather rope from a long time ago. And it's mm-hmm. not the best. And they think that it's them and not the rope, but the rope makes mm-hmm. a difference. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it absolutely does. Yeah. Last, last little piece there, a rope that's three feet plus your height is the optimal length to begin with. Um, I know that there's plenty of people who say many other things. They say, step on the rope with two feet and pull up to your armpits. And people say, there is no right rope size. There's not a right rope size once you've progressed and you're advanced and you are very clear about what style you're doing. But when you're first beginning, start with three three feet plus your height, that's stepping on it with one foot and getting the, the cable up to pretty much sternum sternum size, a lower sternum and lower pectoral, um, that comes directly from our market. That's their measurement size. And it, I've seen it work for everyone. So anyone who says that anything different, you can do what you want to do, but that tends to get the best. Again, it just makes the most sense. And then from there progressing to a rope that is about two and a half feet plus your height, um, because you want to get it shorter and a clear marker of proficiency is getting the rope shorter. And once you've gotten shorter and shorter and you can demonstrate that you're, you're able to do that, um, then you can kind of go back to longer or heavier or whatever, and now start to explore everything. So that philosophy piece again, comes from RX Mark here as well. A huge amount of the way I think about jump rope comes from Dave new and RX Mark here. So, yeah. Oh, no, that's awesome, man. I appreciate that, that insight and that advice. I hadn't heard the three feet and the two and a half feet. I hadn't heard that, but it makes sense because whenever I was on the RX website with my height, it was three feet plus, and then that, that was what they were recommending to measure. Mm-hmm. So that does make sense. Yeah. And, and the idea, like the, 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 the idea, the philosophy from RX Mark here is like, you should know your jump rope length, the way, you know, your shoe size, oh. like, you know, what fits you, your rope fits you. Like what, what other gear do we have where we just randomly choose a size? I don't just randomly choose a, a shoe size. No, that is true. <laughs> you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. So, but people just, you know, it's just part of the process. We jump up is still very new. So as information takes a while to get out. And then, um, there's a lot of other information that is put out to, to support. Again, when we talk about like sales over mission and stuff. So that's something to be aware of. Nate, thanks a lot for coming on and sharing the years, decades of jump rope experience that you have. I really appreciate it. And I, I learned a lot from you, man. I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, for sure. I, I appreciate you having me on. It's been, it's been really fun watching you put out uh, such such great content, man. A lot of videos, a lot of, a lot of time and effort put into all that. So I appreciate you having me on here. Absolutely. And the same goes to you, man. Wow. What an awesome episode. Thank you so much again to Nate for joining me and for taking the time to drop some knowledge and wisdom for all of our benefit. So I really appreciate him coming on the podcast. If you want to follow Nate, you can follow him on Instagram. You can just search for Nate KG. You'll be able to find him. He has quite a few followers on Instagram, and he's always putting out new combos and crazy tricks that I think are really awesome and that show how talented and how much work he's put into his craft. You can also subscribe to him on YouTube. I believe he has a channel, and he's amassing quite a following on YouTube as well. So until next time, stay safe, stay healthy. Thank you for tuning in. Jump Rope to Freedom. Peace. Thank you for your support.